I'm your host, Derek. Today is Memorial Day. Today, we remember the fallen, all those who have perished in the GWAT and beyond. We remember those who died in all the wars and try to remember the good times. Today, we're going to talk about um, my personal experience with my friend, Cooper. He did not die as a result of the KIA, he committed suicide, which had a heavy impact upon my life personally. However, I can't help but remember my friend Cooper on this day. Um, he was a victim of not only war, but a fucked up lifestyle, a fucked up childhood, um, you name it. He was in the Marine Corps prior to joining the army and whatever happened, uh, led up to his ultimate decision to commit suicide, uh, on October 30th, 2009, while we were set to redeploy back to Germany from Iraq. Uh, this scenario was heavily impactful on me personally and on Memorial Day and on October 30th are the two times of year that I remember my friend Cooper. He <laughs> was quite the character to say the, le to say the least. Um, how do I describe my friend who I lost? He was from Missouri. Um, he originally was in the Marine Corps for four years. Uh, he deployed to Iraq prior to um, our deployment in 2008-2009. Uh, while he was deployed with the Marine Corps, he didn't see any action, uh, mostly staying on uh, an AAV and going around on a boat. Uh, so when we deployed to Iraq, he was heavily excited to finally face uh, combat, as I was also myself. However, this wasn't to be the case. The uh, plummet sucked, a bunch of bullshit. But we'll get into that in a, in a little bit. Um, but I want to tell you about the first time I met my friend, Cooper. Uh, I was a new private 
brand new, just got to Germany. Uh, I came with a bunch of people and Cooper was my team leader. Um, he did not have a very good reputation. <laughs> he was known for being late, being lazy, being overweight, having an alcohol problem. Any type of problem you could think of, he had that kind of problem. But when I first met him, we hit it off instantly. Uh, he had a tattoo on his uh, upper right uh, shoulder of uh, the misfits, the fiend skull. And the second that I saw that tattoo, I knew that we were going to be friends. Um, but the first time we met, he took me out to the bar and we got wasted. Um, we went out to Ed's Bar and Classic Rock outside of Grafenbeer, Germany. Uh, he was my team leader. He was an E4 and I was an E2. And I was uh, pretty scared to be hanging out with my team leader. But uh, I quickly found out that he was not like your average team leader. He was... Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I guess you could say a realist. Uh, he had a lot of military experience and he wanted to impart his knowledge that he had on me. So the first time we hung out, we went to the bar and, uh, just got wasted. He ordered, um, his specialty was uh, Jack and Coke. And I don't know, I'm not sure how many Jack and Cokes he had, but, uh, I ordered a Hefeweizen, which is like the number one beer in Germany. Um, we probably had, I don't know, between 15 and 20 drinks at least. Just sitting there talking and uh, kind of him laying out his expectations for what I should be. Uh, what they were going to expect of me in the squad and, uh, you know, the basics of the infantry which all I knew was basic training. So I was trying to learn the ropes and he was the first person to teach me, teach me that. Um, however, I quickly learned that he was not very well respected in the platoon. Um, everyone liked him with his uh, rambunctious and ridiculous sense of humor, but he was just kind of a fuck up. Uh, he didn't really take the rules too serious, too seriously. And, uh, he was all about having a good time and, uh, just getting all fucked up, <laughs> which for me personally, that was, um, it was good. It was awesome actually, because that's where I came from in life prior to the army. So when I met him, it was like, uh, kindred spirits. Just suddenly we were, uh, you know, just, we understood each other, um, instantly more so than, uh, anyone else I had met up until that point in the army. Um, but yeah, we were in the same squad, same platoon, um, did all the training leading up to Iraq, 
uh, ended up deploying to Iraq in November of 2009. We went to, initially, we went to Camp Buring in Kuwait. Uh, we were originally supposed to go to um, Basra, I think. Uh, we were going to replace a British unit, but then our orders got changed and uh, we ended up staying at Camp Buring for one month at least, where we were just zeroing our weapons, testing our Humvees, um, just doing a bunch of bullshit, basically. But throughout this whole time, I just kept getting a more and more uh, personal relationship with my friend Cooper. And uh, eventually we found out that we we're not going to be going to Basra, and, and we were actually going to um, about an hour south of Baghdad. Uh, we went originally to Fab Kalsu, which is kind of like a, a bigger fob. But then after about a couple weeks, it turned out that we, um, we were going to a company-sized patrol base, which was in Al-Hilla, Iraq, which it was roughly about an hour south of Baghdad. Um, so on this company-sized patrol base, it was just like one company, so four platoons, um, plus the headquarters in a little patrol base with, uh, you know, HESCO barriers and guard towers. So it was basically, um, super tight living quarters where everyone was living in tents on cots. Um, for about the first six months or so we had, um, no, um, bathrooms, so we just had to, we had piss tubes, so like a piece of PVC, where we'd piss in the PVC into the ground, and then we'd had porta-potties, but it was just like an outhouse where you just shit in a barrel, and then, um, we would have duty where we'd have to, uh, burn the shit, um, we just pour JP8 or diesel into the shit buckets and, uh, stirred around for a couple hours <laughs> until it, uh, dissipated. But, um, throughout this time we were together with my friend Cooper and, um, we were just kind of becoming more and more tight knit, uh, throughout this deployment because the deployment was not very, um, kinetic we were doing patrols, daily patrols, but at that time in Iraq, in our sector, uh, there wasn't much going on, uh, at least for us. There was a lot of uh, car bombs and stuff going on and EFPs, um, but they were mostly um, aiming towards contractors at that time. So there was a, quite a few contractors who had their Humvees and uh, vehicles obliterated by EFPs. But for some reason, uh, our trucks just never, um, we just lucked out basically. And, uh, yeah, however, uh, even though our deployment wasn't, um, kinetic with firefights and, uh, the normal thing you would think of for an infantryman, uh, we had a different enemy that we were fighting at that time. Um, the enemy... Uh, the enemy's name was uh, First Sergeant 
Osbrooks. First Sergeant Gary Osbrooks. Um, anyone listening to this uh, recording will know. If you were in Bravo Company 228 uh, for the Iraq 2008-2009 deployment, you will know the pain that was experienced uh, all at the hands of First Sergeant Gary Osbrooks. Uh, he basically completely destroyed our morale and made the company into a test ground for his own um, brand of dictatorship, basically. Um, <laughs> so we couldn't really do anything you would think of um, without under like a iron fist type of atmosphere. So like if we had to go use the bathroom or take a shower, we would have to all go as a uh, squad size element and do bounding movements to go to the bathroom or to uh, the showers. Um, all this happened because uh, I, I really don't know, honestly. Just it all turned crazy. He was, um, I don't know. I'm not sure what the reason was. He just, um, he needed to exert his dominance. And the only way he found to be able to do that was by belittling and um, commanding our company. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a bunch of bullshit which caused us to live in just a bunch of horrible bullshit that normally we wouldn't have to deal with, especially when we're deployed to Iraq, where, you know, the last thing we should be worrying about is when we're back at the patrol base. We should be, you know, having a nice time and relaxing when we're not on patrol, but uh, instead we were, we were suffering at the hands of first Sergeant Osbrooks. He basically made our lives a living hell. Um, if it wasn't bad enough that we were stuck in Iraq and, uh, you know, everything you can imagine of the country of Iraq in <laughs> 2008, 2009, uh, we had to also deal with having to put up with his bullshit, which has caused... I'm not sure if, if if he you know I wouldn't say he's the reason for all all the pain, but it definitely didn't help. Uh, ever since getting out of the army and moving on with life, there's been countless amounts of suicides coming out of uh, Bravo Company two two eight and. Was it because of that deployment? Was it because of the deployment before that? Was it just the atmosphere that we were in? Was it getting coming from horrible beginnings and then going to the army? I don't know. But regardless, um, the facts speak for themselves. And there's just been too many uh, suicides related to 
uh, Bravo Company 228. And one of the first ones was my friend Cooper. Uh, so we were at the, in- the tail end of our deployment. Actually, I just thought of a story. Uh, one night, me and Cooper ended up being on guard, uh, tower guard together. So it was like uh, 12 hours on and then 12 hours off. So we would do either you had it in the day or in the night. On this particular occasion, me and Cooper had tower guard in the night. So it was just me and him all night. And uh, we're just hanging out. Um, We became really good friends throughout this whole process. And we were on tower guard just talking all night, smoking cigarettes, uh, you know, taking turns on the 240, uh, looking through binos and just scanning our sector to see if we had to shoot. And uh, throughout the night, it just kept getting darker and darker. Um, the stories kept getting worse and worse of our own childhoods. And uh, we were talking about our just personal experiences in life. And um, it led down a dark path. And Cooper was just uh, mentally fucked up. And he was like, you know, I think we should just uh, fuck this. Like, let's just start. Let's just start something because we're bored. There's nothing to do. Like, I'm sick of this non-war atmosphere. So he loaded a uh, 40 millimeter um, HEDP round into his 203. And uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to shoot it at this house. And then, you know, when everyone comes out, we can just kill them all. Um, No one will ever know because who's going to know? It's just me and you. Uh, They'll think that this was just a uh, an attack. They'll think that we were attacked and then, uh, then we'll have something to do. So for about 30 minutes, I uh, convinced him why he shouldn't just shoot this uh grenade into the into a house um because throughout the night we were just watching this house and uh in the summer in iraq it's hotter than shit and most people sleep on their roof in iraq uh the whole family just goes out to the roof because uh, they have like flat roofs there mostly and they sleep out there because it's hot so he wanted to lob a grenade on this roof where this family was sleeping and (laughs) you know it's just it wasn't the right thing to do it it would it's murder basically so i convinced him not to do that um luckily i was there at that point um because who knows what would have happened if uh, he was on tower guard with someone else. But uh, luckily I convinced him not to do that. And we finished tower guard and nothing happened. But yeah, it's just a little anecdote on the mindset of my friend. 
So we kept uh, going on in Iraq. The patrols kept getting stupider and stupider. Uh, we get, could do less and less. And by the by the end, um, we were mostly doing like uh, KLEs, like key leader engagements and presence patrols and um, helping the Iraqi army do their own patrols or different shit like that. But we were never getting into, into contact, just constantly doing patrols where nothing would happen. So we're on patrol all fucking day and nothing happens just for months, months on end patrol all fucking day. And there's no firefights, you know, it's just like, uh, taking an extreme toll on all the people with no CIBs. So it was me and, uh, the majority of my people that were in my platoon did not have a CIB because we were new guys. So we're just like on edge because we're just waiting for the, the time where the firefight's going to come. But the firefight doesn't come. We're just every single day, all day, um, waiting for the firefight and the firefight doesn't come. Um, small things happen here and there. Uh, a bomb blows up one of the Humvees. There's no injuries. Um, mortars come here and there. Uh, mortars land it within the perimeter but no one's killed, you know, lots of things happen, but nothing ever comes to where we have to start shooting. Uh, so it kind of causes a, like a mental thing where we're just driving around waiting to shoot, but the shooting never, never happens. So this, this continues on throughout our entire deployment. And by the end, most people in my platoon are just, um, just mentally like out of it, have had it. Uh, the ones who have CIBs are like just bored or, um, happy uh, that we, uh, get to live. And the ones who have, who don't have CIBs are just distraught and beside themselves because uh, we we went and suffered through a whole year of Iraq but never had to um, do our job, which, you know, the job of the infantry is to kill the enemy. That That's the only job of the infantry. So the fact that we didn't get to do that um, has kind of caused a mental, like, break on a lot of people. And... Lots of things uh, happen, but I'm not sure exactly what led up to it, but Cooper, um, he couldn't take it anymore. Uh, I'm not sure if it was outside circumstances. I don't know what the circumstances were, but he had joked around with me multiple times, like at least a hundred times, about committing suicide. And... You know, it's kind of like a thing in the army, especially in the infantry, like committing suicide 
is like always on the table. Um, it's just, <laughs> I'm not sure how to describe it. It's like some people are going to die in war. Others are going to commit suicide and others are going to be changed forever. Uh, never to function again in society. So it's like you fall into one of those three categories, which is sad, but it's like just uh, everyone knows that in the infantry. And the fact that we didn't have CIBs and we weren't, um, you know, hardened killers caused us to be, I don't know, just like mentally fucked up because we didn't do our job for a whole year. Um, but eventually it came to a head where Cooper, um, you know, we're hanging out this one, this one specific scene, um, we had to do QRF. So we're waiting. Um, it's a 24 hour QRF quick reaction force. So when you're on QRF, you have to have all your gear in the trucks, um, in case there's an attack and then you have to go respond quickly, hence the name. Uh, so every hour you would be on radio guard, uh, in case there's an attack and then you'd have to rally the troops and go out. So we're on radio guard. Um, but prior to me going on guard, me and Cooper are hanging out in my, um, room. It's like a chew. Uh, containerized housing unit, like a connex, basically. So me and Cooper are just sitting in my room smoking cigarettes, which you're not supposed to smoke inside there. But whatever, we didn't give a shit. So we're smoking cigarettes inside my chew, and Cooper is trying to figure out what the best way, uh, the best way he could commit suicide. So he was trying to, should he put the gun in his mouth? Should he put it underneath his chin? Should he put like his, the side of his head? So we, he was like doing all the demos to which way would be best. And I don't know why, you know, it's, it's a fucked up lifestyle when you're in the infantry. And this wasn't something that hadn't been done before. So I wasn't like really alarmed uh, about this i was just like okay yeah maybe probably in the mouth would be best you know because it then it would go up through your brain that would be the best i would think so uh, you know we're just sitting there talking about that and uh, time comes up I'm like oh well i gotta go on guard duty so uh cooper was gonna replace me so i just said all right time to go um I'll see you in an hour. Uh, don't fucking sleep in again because uh, he was kind of notorious for not showing up on time. So I was like, all right, later. I'll be on uh, radio guard and you can come relieve me. So I went to go to guard duty and I was like, all right, later. See you in an hour. Uh, so I went to guard duty and, you know, just sitting there on the radio and time comes for Cooper to come replace me and he's not showing up like 
Fucking A. Where the fuck is Cooper at? So someone comes and is like, you know, I don't know. I, I can't find Cooper. I don't know where he is. Uh, but then someone else comes like Oscar. I think Oscar came and he was like, fuck. And, and I think I just looked at him and we both knew that he had committed suicide. Like there was just some sort of knowing like he probably committed suicide. So like everyone dropped everything and ran to his room. And uh, luckily I had gotten there um, bef- after um, other people got there first. So I think uh, Lieutenant Kirchner and uh, Sergeant Moses and maybe one other person, the medic, I think, Irwin possibly, went and went in, in Cooper's room. And uh, sure enough, he had committed suicide. So he was in his room dead. And uh, then it just hit me and hit everyone, really. Like, holy shit. Uh, Cooper's dead. He committed suicide. And that's it. (laughs) And uh, no one would let me go to the room. Um, I don't know. I just, I I went into like a state of uh, numbness and shock and kind of just like disbelief, really. And um, we went to go he had his body had to get moved to like the morgue area so we did like uh take turns guarding his body um which we did that for a while i'm not sure how long i don't really remember honestly but i know that for the next three days or so um i didn't sleep at all um i kept having like flashbacks of uh when we were in the room together um before i went on guard because we were just talking about how he should commit suicide and yeah he actually even said too like oh you can have all this stuff and um you know i'm not gonna need it anymore and um so for the next three days after that it was just like didn't sleep and um at the patrol base or at the fob we were at there was a one mile track um within the patrol base so i was just running (laughs) just going on runs just like doing a 10 miler then smoking a few cigarettes and then doing another 10 miler uh just for three days three or four days i would do that and then finally uh I don't even know. This got out of it, kind of, and um, yeah, just back to reality. And uh, there wasn't that many people left because me, Cooper, and like ten other people had been chosen to stay longer in Iraq uh, to to do the right seat rides with the incoming um, company or the incoming unit 
that was going to replace us, uh, which was, I think it was, uh, I think it was first calf who replaced us. I'm not sure, but, um, throughout that whole time, it was just like a blur. Um, I happened to be like one of the main drivers. So I was going out with them pretty much every mission because I knew all the routes. So I was always the lead driver and then we would do these patrols, um, to get the new unit used to the AO. Um, but it was supposed to be me and Cooper and the rest doing that together, but he committed suicide and then everyone else had already left Iraq. So it was a pretty rough period in time. Um, yeah, I don't even know, but, uh, Yeah, that's why today, um, Memorial Day, I thought I would do this episode about this because uh, probably not many people really know about this or the fact that I was in the army or anything like that. So I thought I would um, shed a spotlight on that fact and uh, remember Cooper and... uh, you know, Cooper was one of the first ones, but ever since Iraq, there's been many others uh, who have died um, after. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to take a time to remember them. Uh, another person to commit suicide from 228 was uh, Corporal Shanyo. Uh, he committed suicide. Um, Corporal Shanyo was a great soldier. Uh, he was in the initial invasion of Iraq in 2003 in Fallujah. Uh, he was, um, you know, just the best, uh, what you would want of an infantryman. Um, also, after Com- Cooper committed suicide, Corporal Shanyo was the armor. And he ended up giving me Cooper's ACOG uh, off of his weapon, uh, off the book, so no one would know. So to this day, I got uh, Cooper's ACOG from Iraq um, because Corporal Shanyo gave it to me. Uh, But later on, he ended up committing suicide. Um, Yeah, fucked up. He was a great person. Um, he w- he you know he would have went far in life. Uh, another person to commit suicide was uh, Corelli. Uh, he committed suicide a few years ago. Uh, we were all friends in the same unit. Uh, he was um, in first ID, also with. Uh, Cooper and um, Oscar and the rest, uh, Sergeant Brown, the rest, and uh, he committed suicide a couple years ago. Um, Another person, he didn't commit suicide, but uh, he ended up committing a violent murder of his girlfriend, um, Dupree. Uh, Yeah, another 
another guy from Bravo Company. Um, ended up committing murder uh, heinously of his girlfriend. And he's in a mental institution at this point. Uh, there's just so many people uh, from Bravo Company 228 and uh, Charlie Company 228 and uh, even the deployment after Iraq uh, the 2010 or 2011 2012 deployment of uh, 228 to Afghanistan um, left quite a few uh, who either died or later committed suicide um, it's just sad it's fucked up and I don't think people really understand or know that these types of things are happening even to this day uh, and the horrors of war and the horrors of uh, I don't even know just of army life maybe uh, in conjunction with uh, your own personal demons has caused such a massive amount of uh, misery and on this day uh, we should all remember those who I mean they gave their life really uh, for something uh, and here we are <laughs> living in our comfortable nice house um, not in any danger uh, while all these people, um, former teammates, former great people, uh, are dead because of war or because of the wounds of war after the fact. And uh, it's fucked up. So I just wanted to do an episode today to talk about that and uh, highlight some of my friends um, especially Christopher Michael Cooper um, you know won't ever forget about you <laughs> and everyone that you um, impacted um, you left a heavy impact on them uh, and it's too bad that you had to go so soon but uh, to all those out there who remember um, we remember and we'll never forget. So, you know, cheers to them. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, so this has been another episode of Double Thought Dimension. I'm your host, Derek. Uh, I hope you are out there today and remembering those who you have lost um, and remember also that you're not alone and uh, I'm, al I'm always here I'm out here I still exist um, you can contact me at dtdimension at protonmail.com doublethoughtdimension.com or if you know me personally uh, you got my phone number or uh, the discord um, 
just uh, reach out if you've got some problems. Uh, heaven knows we all do. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, cheers to all you out there. Uh, you know who you are. And uh, to all those in the afterlife, you know, here's to you. Thank <laughs> you.